Atmosphere Church podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. If you need prayer or just someone to talk with, please send us an email to info at atmosphere.church. Someone from our team will be sure to connect with you. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. This series that we're doing called God is Greater is, I I think, a real timely series for us because we know that God is great and we think about God's greatness all the time, but sometimes when our lives get very difficult, we have to remind our souls intentionally how great God is. And so this song that I became familiar with about a couple of months ago called Waymaker just really resonated with me because it really uh, highlights four major attributes of God, that he is the way maker, he is the miracle worker, he is the promise keeper, he is the light in the darkness. And so we're, we're taking these attributes and, and we're talking about each one of them each week. And next week, we will be talking about light and the darkness on Easter Sunday. I can't believe next Sunday is Easter Sunday. But today, we want to talk about the attribute that God is our promise keeper. And it's a great message to be able to talk about on Palm Sunday like it is today. And we want to we want to just look at this and unpack this idea that God is our promise keeper. And we know about giving promises, right? Like a lot of us can probably think of a time in our lives that somebody broke a promise to us. They made a promise to us and, and they broke our hearts in the process of, of breaking their promise to us. And uh, I, I was asking my kids because I would love to give an illustration of a time that I, I broke a promise to my kids. And praise God, they couldn't think of one. I was like, all right, I'm not doing too bad of a dad or being too bad of a dad. And, but here, I will tell you that I'm sure I've, I've broken some promises uh, to my kids. They just have terrible memories, apparently. Um, but, but even on the other side of things, how many of us have made promises to other people and we broke them? I mean, it feels terrible. And, and nobody wants to be somebody that makes a promise, then breaks them. But see, God is not like us, and I'm so thankful he's not like us, that he is a promise keeper. Let me give you a couple scriptures this morning while we're going over the word that I believe is very, very important. In the Old Testament, the book of Numbers, that book of the Bible that you skip over when you're reading through the Bible in a year, because it's that book that so-and-so begot so-and-so, and we get bored by chapter five, right? But chapter 23, fast forwarding, chapter 23, it says this, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? This is super important for us to recognize, especially in this particular season that we're in. Now, as followers of Jesus, we must understand that Jesus has become the exclamation mark to this word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, For no matter how many promises God has made, 
They are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Amen really is translated, thus be it. So think about what this is saying. The promises of God have been fulfilled and ratified in Christ. He was, as it were, a living incarnate amen to the promises of God. So if the book of Numbers doesn't convince you that God is a promise keeper, Jesus has become your exclamation mark that God does what he says he will do. And um, the Bible's full of promises. I mean, think about that. I, I was reading one uh, researcher. He says there are 7,487 promises in our Bibles. Now, if you don't believe that, uh, I give you permission to fact check me this week. Go through the entire Bible and count every single promise that you can find. But according to this researcher, 7,487 promises. And in today's message, I'm going to cover every single one of those. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we would be here till Easter Sunday and probably then beyond that. But I just want to I, I wanna take two promises that I believe are very significant for our lives. I, I want to take what I think is probably the most popular or the most famous promise in our Bibles, and, and I want to take what I believe is the greatest promise for our lives, and, and I want to look at those. So the first one is probably the most famous promise given in the Bible, and that is found in the book of Genesis uh, chapter 9. Now, before I get into that, does anybody want to take a guess what the most famous promise in the Bible is? Well, I have a slide to put up on the screen to give you a hint to see if you can figure that out. It's a rainbow. A rainbow that a lot of us see on a nice day where it's raining, it's a little bit sunny. And this particular picture was taken here in Thousand Oaks. Uh, and we had some rainbows not too long ago, just a few weeks ago. Uh, some rainbows came into the area with a, a storm that we had. And, and I mean, there are a lot of things in nature that take my breath away, but I think rainbows are probably on the top of my list of, of things that are just so amazing uh, to look at. And let's, let's give some confession right now. How many have ever followed a rainbow and tried to find the end of it? because you were looking for a leprechaun. I don't know. Um, uh, I, I have. I, I've tried to uh, find the end of a rainbow, but it's, it's a hard, difficult thing to do. Uh, but Genesis chapter 9, check this out. This is God giving a declaration to Noah and to really humanity. Uh, this happened right after God does his own reboot of the world. Yeah, God did a reboot of the entire world through the flood. And so what he does is he comes on in Genesis chapter nine and he talks about this reboot. He says, I will put my rainbow in the clouds to be a sign of my promise to the earth. Whenever I form clouds over the earth, a rainbow will appear in the clouds. Then I will remember my promise to you and every living animal. Never again will water become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember my everlasting promise to every living animal on earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the promise I am making to all life 
on earth. So every time we see a rainbow, not only should we, we should be reminded that the world will never be flooded by water ever again, we should be reminded that God is a promise keeper. Every time we see a rainbow, it should be in our heads like, wow, I serve a God that is a promise keeper. So that, that's the most famous promise in our Bibles, or at least I believe it's the most famous. But let's talk about the greatest promise that we have in the, in the Bible. And I believe personally, and you may differ in your opinion, but I believe personally the greatest promise that God has given us in the Bible is the Holy Spirit. And a lot of you guys maybe have heard teachings on the Holy Spirit. Maybe uh, you've done your own study on the Holy Spirit. But there are so many scriptures that talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives as followers of Jesus. And I want to give you a couple because I believe these are important scriptures for us to understand and to learn so that we can see the value of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Ezekiel, in the Old Testament, we just finished this in our daily readings. Ezekiel chapter 36. So God is downloading to Ezekiel this amazing future that not only is Israel gonna experience, but the whole world is gonna experience. He says this in verse 27. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So what God is telling Ezekiel is that no longer are you guys going to struggle with trying to figure out what I want. I'm just going to come and live on the inside of you so that you'll know exactly what I want. I'm going to have a direct connect with you. So fast forward in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. It says, and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. So the Holy Spirit has become God's own verification code. You guys know about that, right? We just had to do something in the studio this morning just to kind of download something. You have to have a verification code. So the Holy Spirit is God's verification code that he's in you. And check this out in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. And you also became God's people when you heard the true message, the good news that brought you salvation. You believed in Christ and God put his stamp of ownership on you by giving you the Holy Spirit he had promised. The Spirit is the guarantee that we shall receive what God has promised his people. And this assures us that God will give complete freedom to those who are his. There is so much power in, in those two verses right there in Ephesians. But I, I wanna highlight the fact that not only is the Holy Spirit important to show us that God is a promise keeper because the Holy Spirit was promised all of these hundreds and thousands of years before he came that God delivered the Holy Spirit. But now the Holy Spirit acts as our promise for the things that are to come. 
that the Holy Spirit is our way of knowing that God is going to fulfill the things that he has proclaimed over our lives. This is so good for us to know. That's why I'm convinced that the greatest promise that we have is the Holy Spirit. So the question in this message is, do I have the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit living in me? And you know, I've been pastoring for 30 years and sometimes doubt gets a hold of our heads and maybe we even doubt like, am I really a child of God? Am I really saved? There is evidence inside of you that the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And there's just some things that you can kind of work through because sometimes the Bible says that the devil becomes the accuser of the brethren. So sometimes the voice of the enemy of your life gets in there and and makes you want to doubt that the Holy Spirit is living in you. And let me just give you kind of some ways that you can sort out some of those thought bubbles that are coming against you uh, really uh, having the Holy Spirit in your life. Here's the first sign, if you want to call it that, evidence that the Holy Spirit is inside of you. I like to say it this way. You have a new want to in your lives. You have a new want to. You, you want to get close to God because the Holy Spirit's inside of you. The Holy Spirit is attracted to God. So there's something inside of you that wants to be in the presence of God. You, you want to hear the message. You want to get up early and open your Bible. Well, maybe you don't want to get up early, but you want to open your Bible. You, you want to listen to these songs that are singing about God. You're, you're wanting to listen to songs that are, that are actually helping you get more connected with God. There is a new want to in your life. Can I ask you a question this morning? How's your want to going? Do do you want to press in and get closer to God? Do you you want to change some of these old habits that you know are not healthy for you? And and do you want to uh, really uh, get into more fellowship and grow and level up in your faith and your understanding of who God is and the truths of of who he is through the Bible? Um, This is just something that, that we need to look at. Uh, there should be a new want to existing in your life. Here, here's another thing, uh, a sign, a evidence, if you want to call it that, is when the Holy Spirit is living in you, you have a character makeover. And we're all a work in progress. So I don't want you to misunderstand me that, that you're supposed to be perfect, but there should be a, a character overhaul going on inside of you. The Bible tells us that when the Holy Spirit is at work inside of us, there's fruit that comes with him living in you. And some of that fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and above all else, self-control. And I don't believe that's an exhaustive list. I just believe like those are the, the top nine things that, that really kind of get reformed or recalibrated inside of you. So when the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you will find yourself loving people more than you were before. You will find yourself having more peace inside of yourself than you did before. Matter of fact, you might have more patience than you did before. You know, instead of maybe, you know, rolling down the window and giving the good luck, uh, the Hawaiian good luck sign to that driver that cut you off on the 101, you're like, no, nah, man, Lord, I want to bless him instead. I mean, these are just little signs and, and things that, that point to the fact that the Holy Spirit is living in you. Here's another one I wrote down. Um, You will have conviction. So if you're living in such a way that's contrary to the way God wants you to live, 
you're going to feel this, this angst inside of you. It's the best way to say it. You're just like, I, I can't live that way anymore. Maybe you used to party. Maybe you used to drink excessively. Maybe you used to just go get high all the time. Uh, maybe you used to go and sleep with anybody you know, that, that would just come around you and, and offer themselves to you. But now there's an angst in you saying, I, 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 I've tried that after I've ask the Holy Spirit to come live in me, and, and I'm just, I'm not comfortable. Maybe uh, the conviction's even keeping you up at night, and, and you're just like, I, I can't live that way anymore. That's a good sign. Can I tell you? It's a great sign when you get convicted over sin in your life. It's a great sign. That means the Holy Spirit's working in you. Uh, another way that you can see it is confirmation. Here, here's what happens a lot of times. When the Holy Spirit's living in you, you'll have just a, a random thought. Maybe it's in the middle of a sermon. Maybe it's in the devotion. You write it down in your journal. And that same day, you're talking to a friend and they mention this particular thought that you had written down or that you had heard. And you're like, whoa, how do they, how do they know that? And by the end of the day, you've had maybe a text message given to you or, or you were listening to something on the radio and they said the very same thing. I, I'm telling you, God uses the Holy Spirit inside of you to confirm things. And, and allows you to kind of pay attention to certain things where he gets your attention that way. So if, if you've had a season where things are being confirmed, that you had a thought and then somebody mentions it or you hear another sermon and it, and it tells that thought exactly, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to your soul. And it's good when you have those things. Sometimes you might even have somebody come up to you that doesn't even know your story and they may, what I call, read your mail. They may say, hey, I've got a word for you and I can't shake it. And, and they just proceed to tell you this and it just blows your mind because nobody knew that except you and God. Uh, one of the, the really big defining moments of us launching this new church is that my pastor friend, Darren Laws, up in Northern California, he was you know, talking to me through this process of, of launching Atmosphere Church and he was praying with me about it. And he had a friend of his that was visiting his church and, and it was on this particular weekend. And he was like, Jim, can you come up here? I want this guy, Jim, to, to pray over you. And, and we were still trying to make our decision. Do we, do we go and start this new church or do we stay where we're at? We were just really in a, in a place of wanting to know what God wanted us to do. Because I had my personal preferences, but I really came to a place, and so did Tara, that we wanted God's will more than anything, even if it meant us being uncomfortable. So after he called me like three different times and said, I really think like you're supposed to get up here, I said, okay, I'll do it. And what made it difficult is my son Josiah had a soccer tournament that weekend, and it was just difficult for us to try to figure out the schedule, how we're gonna get up there and, and get Josiah to a soccer tournament. And so we figured it out that I would go up there, Tara would take Josiah to the soccer tournament, and we would have her on speaker uh, in a phone call. So when this guy prayed over us, now uh, you have to know this story because uh, this, like I said, it just it blew me away. And and I've had people say I've got a prophetic word for you before, and honestly. I've been around the church so long that that has been so abused that when somebody says that to me now, I immediately uh, have some, some guards up. 
and, and I get suspicious. I, I, I just have to be honest with you because there are a lot of, uh, you know, I, I think good-minded people, they mean well, uh, but they didn't really hear from God. <laughs> and how, how do you know that, that you heard from God? Well, when you speak it to somebody, it will be a confirmation of something God's already been speaking to them their hearts. That's how you'll know that, that you are speaking a message that they need to hear because they've already been hearing it in, inside of their own hearts through the Holy Spirit. So go back to the story. So I make the arrangement. I go up there. The last phone call that Darren made to me, he was practically begging me to go up there going, you've got to do this. And I hung up the phone with him. And he had just told me a God story about uh, a friend of his that was living in Thousand Oaks. And, and she had heard a message that I gave up at Brave Church where Darren pastors. And, and she had told Darren, she said, tell him that we need him in Thousand Oaks. And that's what Darren told me. And he goes, but come up here and let this guy pray over you. So I hung up the phone and I told Tara, I said, Tara, this is crazy. Like, like Darren just told me about this girl that just said, you know, hey, we, we need him down in Thousand Oaks. I go, I don't know if that's something or not, but I go, it's like in, in the book of Acts chapter 16 where, where uh, the man in Macedonia is like praying for the apostle Paul to go and give uh, them like a message or whatever. So the Holy Spirit like uh, detours Paul and he goes to uh, Macedonia and he gives them this message. And so I told this to Tara. Nobody else knew that I had spoken that to Tara. It's like the, like the man in Macedonia. So I go up to Darren's church and I, and I let this guy pray over me. And, and he's speaking directly into my life and things that, that Darren or, or anybody in that room didn't know. Only my wife knew who was on speakerphone. And I'm crying. And then he speaks into Tara's life and she's crying and I just knew as this guy was unpacking our history that, that nobody knew except God and my wife, my spouse, right? And, and, and I knew about her and he's unpacking this stuff. Immediately he shifts and he starts talking about the future. And he says this, he says, my hand has been on you, Jim, in Las Vegas, but I have a, a new destination for you. And there's a Macedonian call in the city where I am calling you to. I about jumped out of my skin. I was like, are you kidding me? And I'm just bawling. I'm crying because I just, I knew. I knew at that moment, like it, like all of those other confirmations that and God had already given us like 11 different confirmations that he was moving us to Thousand Oaks. But that was the exclamation mark. And we got off the phone and, and it just became a defining moment for us. And, and I wanna tell you, when the Holy Spirit is in you, you will have stories like that where God is trying to process something in you and, and he will go out of his way to, to give all of these different sources to make sure that you're getting his message downloaded to you, all right? So uh, you can get revelations, you can get promptings. The I call them Holy Spirit nudges where inside of you're like, I think I'm supposed to help them. I think I'm supposed to call them. I think I'm supposed to text them. And all of this is a sign for you, an evidence for you to know that the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And why is that so important? It's important because God wants to assure you that there are amazing things coming for your future. And the biggest one of them all is heaven. That, that the Holy Spirit is your down payment uh, of the eternity to come. Now, with that in mind, because 
we've already had the verification that the Holy Spirit is in you. I, I just wanna cover three promises out of these 7,000 promises that I believe are important for our lives in this season that we're all living in right now. So if you're taking notes, here's the first promise that we wanna review this morning. This is important for the season that we're in, and that is this, that is the promise of his presence. We gotta talk about this, the promise of his presence. The most popular Psalm in our Bibles is Psalm 23. And there's a verse in Psalm 23 that a lot of us have said maybe a hundred times, and maybe we didn't really understand what we were saying. But this is what it says. It says, even if I go through the deepest darkness, I will not be afraid, Lord, for you are with me. So as David is writing the Psalm, thinking about his own darkness that's happening in his life, he's saying, I'm not gonna be afraid because I'm not in this valley by myself. And there may be this feeling that you have, that you're isolated, that you're by yourself, that, you, that nobody understands your struggle, nobody gets the space that you're living in, and God wants to go out of his way to give you the promise, no matter how dark it is, no matter how lonely you feel, he is with you. He's saying, I am with you. Don't be fooled, don't be deceived that you are by yourself. I am with you. Let me give you a couple more scriptures just to kind of highlight that a little bit more. Uh, Deuteronomy 31, verse six. Be strong and courageous. The opposite of fear, right? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The last thing that Jesus speaks before he ascends into heaven he says this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. He says, remember that I am always with you until the end of time. So Jesus is highlighting all of these other scriptures that we've known even from the Old Testament and saying, hey, I know you may be feeling very dark right now. You may be feeling like you're being overwhelmed in the season that we're in. He's saying, I want you to know that I'm a promise keeper. And the promise that I'm making to you right now is that I am with you. Matter of fact, it is the most repeated promise in our Bibles. I am with you. Here's the second promise I wanna go over this morning with you guys. And that is the promise of his provision. The promise of his provision. This is important. The latest statistic I heard this week is there are over 6 million Americans that are unemployed right now. And there are some of you right now that you are really afraid of what this means for your family, what this means for your, you know, uh, your 401k, your retirement, all of this, all of these question marks that, that are real. God wants you to know, and he's gone out of his way to say, I'm making you a promise right now. If there is a need in your life, because you're my kid, I'm going to take care of you. He's your provision. And let me give you a couple of verses just to kind of highlight this reality. In um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, this is Jesus, and he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What Jesus is saying in this whole context of a sermon, he's talking about worry. He's saying, I, I want you to stop worrying about all these things, and I want you to put all of your attention and all of your focus on the kingdom of God. If you put all of your attention and your first concern on the kingdom of God, 
every other need in your life, I will fulfill and I will take care of. So it's a conditional promise saying you take care of my kingdom and I will take care of you. That, that's something that we need to hear because I think a lot of us are like, oh, God's gonna take care of me. Now the promise is if you take care of my kingdom first, I'm gonna make sure that all your needs are taken care of. How do you make God's kingdom first? What, what are you doing to, to take care of God's kingdom? And we're not talking just financial here. We're, we're talking about the livelihood of the kingdom of God, making the kingdom of God your number one, your number one priority over your job, over your family, over everything. God's kingdom is number one. And if you do that, everything else will work out. Here's the the other scripture I wanted to give you, Philippians chapter four, verse 19, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Super important scripture. Paul's going through a very difficult time. He's writing this letter from prison. He says, you know what? I'm in prison, but all my needs are taken care of. Honestly, guys, since we started this church from day one, I was, I was really nervous because we had stepped out on our own. Uh, this wasn't a, a, a church campus per se, from our other campuses, we were by ourselves. And we stepped out in faith. And I am here to attest and give glory to God that he has taken care of every single need that we had. All this equipment to bring this broadcast to you. I told you guys last week, we didn't have the money to cover it. And especially when I found out how much money it was gonna cost to uh, get this equipment, we're not talking hundreds, we're talking thousands of dollars. That same day, somebody gave a donation in the exact amount of what we needed to buy this equipment. I'm telling you, God will take care of you. You can be worried and frightful all you want and you're not gonna change your circumstances. The only way you're gonna change your circumstances is you let God take care of you by taking care of his kingdom first. Here's the third promise as we kind of land this idea. And this is probably a reality that as I say it, means a lot more this week in this month than it did maybe even two months ago if I were to have said this. And that is his promise, the promise of his return. Folks, Jesus is coming back. 23 out of the 27 New Testament books talk about the return of Christ. And we get busy in our lives and we kind of put that idea on the back burner. But just because we haven't thought about it doesn't change the reality that this is going to happen, that he's coming back. And you think about this season that we're living in and why is this promise so important for us to circle up and talk about right now? Because if you think about everything that's happening, could this be, and I'm just proposing this, I'm not saying this is from God, this may be just from Jim, but could this pandemic be God's forewarning? I mean, you think about the character of God. Think of how loving and compassionate he is. Wouldn't it be just like God to know, hey, Jesus is coming back. (laughs) And there's a lot of people on that planet that aren't saved. Matter of fact, there's a lot of my followers that are asleep that aren't even really living their lives right for God. Wouldn't it be in God's character to be so loving and and, and so compassionate and say, you know what? I'm gonna give a little wake up call. And I told you guys this before, but sometimes things need to be shaken to be awakened. 
And I was just reading this this week that the Washington Examiner did um, uh, an article this week and they, they were talking about how people are responding to this pandemic. They said half of the nation is believing that this is a spiritual wake-up call from God, our creator. Half of our nation is believing this. A quarter of Americans believe that this is somehow connected to the end of time. I, I saw a post from a Walmart. I don't know where this was, but their, their shelves where they keep all their Bibles completely picked over, just like toilet paper. It was just like there were no Bibles on the shelf. Let me give you a scripture. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. This is the Passion Translation. This is a... Um, paraphrased translation, obviously, but this is what it says. It says, the Lord is not late with his promise to return as some measure lateness, but rather his delay simply reveals his loving patience towards you because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Think about this. Something that can't even be seen by the human eye has dropped the world to its knees. Think about that. That is so sobering. And I, I know I, I love to make you guys laugh, but you know what? My job is to get you ready for heaven. That's my job. And, and I would be doing you a disservice to just not talk about this because I'm afraid I'm going to freak some people out that are watching this broadcast. You know what? We need a sobering wake-up call because the prodigal son, if you think about the story that Jesus gave, the prodigal son, he didn't come to his senses until his life became very difficult. I think there's some of you watching this morning, but you haven't thought about God, maybe even Two months ago, you, you wouldn't have ever given a, a church service like this a chance. But here you are watching this because of the difficulty. You're coming to your senses going, man, I, I put my trust in you know, my finances and they're messed up. I put my trust in my job, it's gone. I put my trust in government, it's gone. And now you're left with the sobering reality that God wants you to put his trust in him. Today's Palm Sunday. And as I, I think about Palm Sunday and the significance that it plays, and, and some of you don't know the story, but before Passion Week begins, Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And this story is recorded in all four gospels. And he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the people began laying tree branches and palm branches down. This is why it's called Palm Sunday. It's because it was the time that, that Jesus rode in to Jerusalem. And a, a lot of people call it the triumphant entry. And, and Jesus comes in, and the Gospel of Luke records this. And I think this is so significant if you think about why Jesus wept. It says, in Luke 19, when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. He saw the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had only known this day. And, and what's crazy about this 
is in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. And, and, and I can post this on, on my social media later that, that somebody did the math on this, that they took all of the dates from the time that, that Daniel chapter 9 prophetically talks about uh, the Messiah coming as king. And this is the only time recorded in scripture that Jesus took the title king and, and he wore it as he moved into the city for the very last time of his life as, as, a, as a human before he was crucified. And he wept because according to these mathematicians, and this is way beyond my pay grade and, and people have geeked out on this, that they said that if you were to take the Babylonian calendar and map this out, the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem is the exact date that was prophesied by Daniel in Daniel chapter nine, all of these hundreds and hundreds of years before he ever came. That's mind-blowing. And here's the most mind-blowing part of that, that in that prophetic word that, that Daniel gives, he says there's gonna be a seven, 70th week. And maybe, church, maybe we're, we're ready to, to step into that 70th week. We, we don't know. But you can have the assurance that you can step in to whatever difficulty awaits us as people as people, even people of God, that God says, I have your future secured. You are with me. And I have a room that I'm setting aside waiting for you in heaven. I, I know that's heavy duty. And, and I know you're like, whoa, I, I don't know what to think of this. Hey, he promises that he's coming back. And the question for us is, are we ready? Are we ready? If Jesus were to come back today, if the sky were to open up and we heard the trumpets of heaven just start blasting, would, would we be ready? And, and as we just close our time, I, I wanna just pray with you. Maybe you're listening and you feel like you haven't received the Holy Spirit. And we just go, went through that checklist. You're like, man, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know how I feel about that. I want to pray with you right now. Father, as everyone that is listening to me, and, and Lord, we're just, we're just thanking you for being our promise keeper. We're thanking you, Lord, for the, the rainbows in our life, God, the yes and amens that you bring to our lives. But God, there are people that are listening right now that are far from you. That God, is, as they think about their own spirituality, God, they're just like, man, I don't know if I'm right with God. Maybe they're even feeling a little bit worried that if Jesus were to come back, they wouldn't be ready. God, I wanna pray for them that they make a decision, God, to invite your Holy Spirit to come and live inside of them. To get that verification code from you that they belong to you and they have an eternity waiting for them. And if you're in a season right now of your life and, and, and I'm, you feel like I'm speaking right to you, that I'm gonna, I'm gonna put up a slide for you. And, and as we put up that slide and, and as we, we think about your next step, I, I just wanna encourage you. If, if as we were praying and, and you were thinking to yourself like, man, I, I, need, I need to get connected and, and move my life to God, um, then, then please reach out to us and, and we want to be able to follow up with you and, and uh, uh, 
you know, give you more resources that will help you uh, in your faith, in your pursuit of God. But as we sign out right now, I just want to tell you that God is our promise keeper and he wants you to just be in his promises and live in his promises and rejoice in his promises that in Jesus there, yes and amen. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at www.atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click on the tab that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. Bye.